Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Rain It In Racing podcast. This week we're going to change up our structure a little bit and we're going to focus on bloodstock as our weekly topic. So we want to know who is your favourite stallion, who is the most influential sire, who is the best dual purpose sire, who is the most underrated sire and which new stallion are you the most excited about? So Sam, we'll come to you first. I want to know who is your favourite stallion? It's quite a tough one for me, actually. I'm stuck between three. So over jumps, it's either Martelline or Robin Deschamps. Both of them passed away, so we'll be seeing their last lot of stock very soon. Um, but yeah, they've produced the likes of Terra 4, Kotakova, Martelline has, and Robin Deschamps had Vitor and Corvega. Um, and then on the flat, Dark Angel's my favourite. Um, I think he's incredible. It's got Batash, Harry Angel, Mecha's Angel, Lethal Force. So, yeah. He was very good. I think for me, my favourite jump sire would be Dom Alco. He, I remember he passed away quite a long time ago, but of course, he sired Silviniaco Conti, obviously. <laughs> um, but he's actually a really, really good sire. Like, I think he's so forgotten he sired neptune Colonge, grand crew alpha roth union east vicente baron alco vivaldi Colonge, bob and co so many wow. great horses i mean i just i love that stallion i love him to bits he's just so amazing and i also have put down camelot as well he was an exceptional race course and he's actually made a really good start to his career i think People forget about him as well because who's he sired? Latrobe, an Irish Derby winner. He sired Athena too. Um, yeah, he's he's another really nice horse actually. Sir and Eric. I think the, yeah, Sir Eric as well. The best is yet to come from Camelot. Um, Luke, what are your thoughts? Who's your favourite stallion? I went for a similar stallion to you. Camelot in unproven Australia. He's an unbelievable racehorse winning Irish and English derbies. The tree out of Ouija board. Some of his best best stock has been broomed this year. I think he's only going to get better in time. They have a great attitude. They're very laid back. There's, I think he's a stallion going forward. That is really good and I like him now. Killian, what about you? Um, bit of a tough question now. Like over jumps, I'm a fan of Oscar and Flemingsfort, but I give a good mention to Maler as well. Uh, son of Galileo, won the Queen's Vaz. Uh, he stands for five and a half grand. Uh, just looking at his his uh progeny, Chris's dream would be kind of his top performer so far, along with well Sutton Place and OK Corral as well are good horses. Um, you know, I think there's more to come from him, and you know, at five and a half grand, he's not too expensive, uh, and he's well able to kind of mix speed and stamina. Uh, then on the flat, uh, one sire I picked out last year, uh, first season sire was due uh diligence. I was looking at his horses in breeze ups, and I just liked the way they they moved. Um, he had a cracking first season. Uh, produced some nice stakes performers, and 
He's up to £8,500 sterling for 2020. He was a bit less last year. Uh, he produces nice kind of early two-year-olds. And I think he's a nice side going forward. And then who do we think is the most influential sire? Obviously, the thoroughbred can be traced back to the three key stallions, the Bailey Turk, the Dali Arabian and the Godolphin Arabian. So they'd be obvious candidates. But more recently, I think the Northern Dancer sire line is very, very prominent in the world today, of course, responsible for Saddler's Wells, who is also responsible for then Galileo, High Chaparral, Monger. I mean... It's dominant, isn't it? The Northern Dancer line. I mean, Sam, what did you make of this question? I agreed, actually. I think um, Sadler's Wells, especially, and through to he's passed that on to Galileo, has just been dominant. Um, there is that fact of now, I read somewhere about the increased amount of inbreeding in the pedigree due to the dominance of this kind of, this family, really. Um, like, something to do with Nabel being some part inbred a little like further back than her grand like parents um through the Sadler's Wells line yeah Frankel to get the strong character and kind of that Derby trip pedigree another topic we've also mentioned is the dual purpose sires so Linking to that Northern Dancer line, obviously you've got Sadler's Wells, who is the sire of Oscar, isn't he? And a load of really good jump sires, as well as Galileo, who himself has established himself as a dual purpose sire. Now, Luke, what do you think of this? Do you think it's just kind of highlights that versatility of that line? Yeah, that line is unbelievable, like, Sadler's Wells, Galileo, Galileo now with Australian Frankel coming through. The line is just getting stronger. They just need to find an outcross somewhere and could have that with deep impact in Japan. That's bonk. I'm just looking at who Sadler's Wells sired. It's mental. You just keep going down and it's top top stallions. Yeah, he was pretty amazing, really. Um, my notes under our best dual purpose sires, I've actually given a mention to High Chaparral, who, of course, is a very direct link to that Sadler's Wells line. But he not only sired the likes of Toronado and So You Think on the flat, but of course, he's a sire of Altior as well, which is probably where that horse gets so much of his speed from. But I think that's a really incredible achievement actually from him just to have two you know multiple horses one who is one of the very best chases we've ever seen and two top class group one winners on the flat as well Killian are there any particular dual purpose sires that you can pinpoint um I suppose if you're looking at the very base kind of in terms of price elusive Pimpernel is quite a good dual purpose sire He's bred. Um, he only st- he was only standing for about a grand until recently. His stud fees got up to three thousand for twenty twenty, but like that's still very uh, cheap given you know kind of what Galileo stands for, kind of in that context. But uh, over jumps, he's produced the likes of Course Sublime, Expatriate, uh, Soviet Pimpernel this year. 
So some really nice performers there. And then on the flat, as I just get this up quickly, he has some listed winners. Um, yeah, elegant pose and elusive beauty. Um, our listed winners in elusive heights was placed. Yeah, he's just a very good dual purpose sire, and yeah, he's probably underused to be honest by breeders. So on the topic of underused and underrated horses, Sam, are there any underrated stallions that you really think should be recognised more for their achievements? Um, well, I wasn't quite sure for this one, but I think Ruler of the World was quite a popular one when we put out our tweet on Twitter asking our followers. Um, he sired Iridessa. Um, she's significantly better than the rest of his um, progeny. But that was only out of his first crop. He's still got, I think he's still got a lot to come in the stallion ranks. And I think he got moved, actually. He got demoted from where he was initially stood. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he did. And But, I mean, he's a Chester Vase and Derby winner. I don't think he's we've seen... He's moved to France, I think. Yeah, he's been moved to France. I'm not sure where he was initially. But, um, yeah, I can't... I think he's... He could be very good. Very good. He had quite a small crop the first time around, didn't he? He wasn't, you know, yeah. that well supported for a Derby winner. And to get his Grade One winning, winning mare out of it as well, for Iridessa, it's quite impressive, mm. really. For me, one that I picked out as being quite underrated was showcasing. I really, really like this stallion, and I just, I think. He doesn't really get as much mention as the likes of, you know, Kingman, Frankel. And I'm not saying he's like on that level, but when you look at the horses he's produced, these real top class sprinters, I mean, he's had Advertise, he's had Quiet Reflection as well. Um, who else? Kazleet, um, Soldier's Cool. I, I really, really like this stallion and I always look out for when his progeny are running because they are just so, so quick. Um, Killian, what about you? Are there any, I mean, you've meant, given mention to a few underrated yeah, stallions, think, but are there any others? Oh, definitely. Uh, um, Stan Mason. I'm not sure if many have heard of Stan Mason, but um, he's probably the ultimate kind of underused stallion. Um, he has of Black Op and Somerville Boy, two grade one performers, and Mason's daughter was also a listed place, listed place for Blue Blood Racing Club. But like, just to give a bit of context to this, in 20, 2016, he covered no mare. In twenty seventeen, he only covered one, and then wow. at the age of twenty one, he's after covering two hundred mares. So it's kind of a real reversal in his fortunes. But um yeah, he, he's he's at he's at a private fee at the moment, but he he I'm fairly sure he was standing for you know a grand or one and a half grand. Like he was criminally underused. That's amazing. Luke, are there any I mean, not saying there are probably gonna be any more stories out there quite to that level, but are there any stallions that you picked out as being underrated? Zofni was for a time, but people are after catching on to him now. Since 2015, he's had 
eight 110 plus horses. This year is the exciting Albina for Jesse Harrington, and he also has Fleeting, who was third in the Oaks last year. I think as time goes on, he will get better. He has had sprinters like Washington, D.C., and the middle distance horses like Fleeting, so I think he could be underused. Quite versatile as well. Um, yeah. And then... Which new stallions are we most looking forward to seeing? So when I posed this question, I was kind of thinking more along the lines of maybe just haven't had their first crop yet. So maybe first season size in the upcoming season and horses who maybe have just gone to stud. So in that kind of bracket. So I've picked out Blue Point as being one. I think he was an exceptional sprinter last year and he was consistent as well, you know, for to win at the top, you know, to be running at the highest level at two, three, four, and five just kind of highlights his constitution, really. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing what he can do at that. Um, Massar was another one as well. I think he was actually a really good derby winner, and because his career was really just blighted by injury towards the second half of his three-year-old season, I don't think we saw him at his best, really. You saw how dominant he was in the Craven Stakes when he beat Roaring Lion. I think his derby win is just the peak of his ability. And I really, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, and then mentioning Roaring Lion as well, obviously we're seeing his first foals coming in recent weeks. And he looks like, you know, they've he's produced some good stock. So hopefully, and I really, really hope so, we get one or two really decent horses from that because that would really just be the most amazing thing to see the much missed Roaring Lion having one or two group one winners from his first and only crop so Sam which horses did you pinpoint as being ones to look out for um well on the flat Order of St George and the Grey Gatsby um I'm not sure if either of them have been pinpointed in his national hunt stallions but um they're very classy in their own right and then over jumps, there's a horse that I doubt many people have, uh, will have heard of called Bomek de Hoel. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he's actually a grade one winning hurdler. He beat um, Pick Dory, who um, Paul Nichols thinks a lot of, who runs in the Betfair Hurdle. Um, and he's taking over from Martline at, that, at the stud in France. And he simply looks gorgeous, and I think he'll have some nice, nice looking foals, even if they're not of a decent ability. But he's got the bloodline and the family for it. So, Killian, so, yeah. what did you think? Which horses are you most looking forward to seeing at Stud? I'm looking forward to see how New Bay's uh, progeny fare in the flat this year. Uh, he's a French Derby winner, placed in the French 2000 Guineas, Andy Eric, uh, son of Dubawi. Um, his his uh, foals and yearlings they sold very well at the sales. They made his yearlings made an average of fifty thousand. Um, I was looking I was looking out just to see one of them when we their open morning with the syndicate and Jack Cantillon has one in training with Johnny Martin, which is a very nice type. You know they might be necessarily two year old types, but I think he will produce some good uh some good sons and daughters. Mentioning New Bay, actually, I think Almanzor is going to be another one to look out for. I mean, he was such a devastating three-year-old. I mean, 
he was just an incredible racehorse. And I think he's been somewhat forgotten, actually, since he's gone to stud. So I really hope he's got one or two decent horses. Um, Luke, what did you think? I thought Caravaggio, he was a bullet sprinter. Unbeaten at two. I thought he has a nice family from Scad Daddy. He's an outcross for the Galileo Mares. So I think he could go well. And this will be his first year with stock that will be running. So we posed these questions to our followers on Twitter. Sam mentioned a few of the replies that we've got earlier on, but we're just going to go through a few more of them and just make comments on what you guys thought. Um, So we have quite a few responses, actually. That's nice to see. So... Simon Morrison Peacock said that clearly the Sadler's Wells route is determined breeding in modern times. And he says Galileo is the boss and Frankel is getting there too. And he reckons that the world of bloodstock is as much opinion as it is betting, but still very interesting. I mean, I love looking into bloodstock. Like, I can honestly spend hours looking back at pedigrees and it's the simplest thing, but I just like seeing where these horses have come from. Like with the horses we've got at work, if I've got a spare two minutes or so, I'll just look back at their pedigrees. And I think it's really interesting to see actually. Um, but let's give a word for Galileo because I feel like we haven't quite said enough about this horse because he is just a different league, isn't he? I mean, Killian, give us a word on Galileo. Come on. What have you got? Um, I think a lot of Irish racing success hinges on Galileo and that kind of his sire line. You know, Theodore often says, you know, Galileo, he not only is able to produce talent to stock, but he also has the temperament, which Aidan puts, he puts a lot of emphasis on that. You know, you often hear him after a race saying, these Galileos, they'd run through a brick wall for you or something along those lines. And it's you. You can't really quantify how much temperament is valued to trainers because you can have all the talent in the world, but if your horse is just too free going, he's not going to win in a derby or anything like that. So the influence of Galileo in terms of temperament is very important. Also, if you're new to racing and you haven't seen what Killian has just put into words on the race course, just YouTube found, just YouTube found her arc de triomphe or Highland Reel, any of his wins, that kind of epitomizes what a Galileo, Galileo horse is. Um, so Jack agrees with you, Luke. He says Caravaggio is going to be a sire to look out for and should have some group one winners. Um Michaela Weld said that her favourite stallion is Knight of Thunder, and he had a really good season last year, didn't he? It was his first crop, but he produced some really absolutely nice types. Absolutely phenomenal, yeah. yeah. Oh, he got, he's got off to an absolute flyer, Knight of Thunder. He broke records like in his first season as sire. He's definitely going to be one to look out for. <laughs> I mean, he already is, but, you know, I think, the be- again, with these first season sires, the best is still yet to come. And that is actually quite scary when you think of the likes of Knight of Thunder. 
Harriet mentioned like Master Craftsman. Oh, yeah. Very good stallion. He... Of course, he had the Grey Gatsby, didn't he? Grey Gatsby, he had Alpha, Alpha Centauri. Um, Amazing Maria as well. Kingston Hill. That's another yeah. one, actually, I'm looking forward to seeing his progeny. So we're going to finish off this week's discussion with a quick word on who we think the first season sires to look out for are going to be in 2020. Of course, we're still in the middle of the jump season, so this is a way off, but we can always look forward to the summer. Um, So I'm going to go first, and my pick is going to be Territories. So he won the Prix-Jean Pratt at three. He was second in the 2000 Guineas. Everyone at Darley seems to be really keen on him. And actually, his first yearlings last year looked very, very good. They sold for prices up to about 260,000 euros, I think. So for a £12,000 stud fee this year, I think he should have some really nice types. And actually, he had enough speed himself to suggest that his first crop will have, you know, they'll be able to go early enough. So... Yeah, territories, I think, is going to be one to keep an eye on. Killian, what about you? Who's your first season sire to watch? Well, I'll be keeping an eye on how Bellardo's progeny fare. Um, he's a son of Lope de Vega, who, of course, won the Irish 2000 Guineas with Phoenix of Spain this year. And he's a grandson of Shamardell, who also had a fantastic 2019. Uh, Bellardo himself won the Dewhurst at two, uh, but also managed to win the Lockinge at four. So despite being kind of an early type, he did train on. Um, standing at 10,000 for this year, uh, his calls averaged at 50, 55,000 um, last year to sales. And yeah, he should be he should be one that will have plenty of winners uh, in his first crop. Another note on territories I've just seen as well is his sire, Invincible Spirit, is of course a sire of Kingman, who has proved to be a pretty effective sire himself so far, as well as Cable Bay, who had a very good first season himself. Um, Luke, what do you think? Who's your first season sire to look out for? I'd keep an eye on the Gurkha. He was unraced at two, but he Made up for last time at three when he won the Sussex. He was second in the Eclipse, the Hawkbill. And he won the French Guineas. He's by the main sire again, Galileo. All, all revolves around Galileo. I think he could have a first good year. Sam, what about you? I'm going to go with Harzand. He's the Derby and Irish Derby winner. Um... And he should get some nice mares. He stands for eight thousand euros. Um, at the minute, his average prices for sell at is around thirty seven thousand, and um, he should get some nice horses. So that's it for our discussion this week. We hope you enjoyed it, and yeah, we've certainly enjoyed having a chat about our favourite stallions. So it's come to that time of the week. It's time for the quiz, the impossible quiz. I'm very mean with the questions. But actually, this week, I think I've been quite nice, always too nice. But there's only one way to find out. So, Sam, we're going to come to you first with the first question of the week. 
What have Southall announced they're going to introduce on the 8th of March this year? They are going to introduce a women's only race day to celebrate um, the National Women's Day. Very good. And your bonus question is, can you name the other race course that holds an all-female jockeys card in the UK? Um, is it Haydock? No. Further north. Eh. Carlisle. Um. Carlisle. You had two chances. <laughs> <laughs> so... You get one point. Well done. That's more than most weeks from you. (laughs) So, (laughs) Luke, we'll come to you next. So, which race course has Nikki Henderson announced Champ will be travelling to next? And why have they chosen this course? Um, Champ. Might have missed this one. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone else know? Is it Um, Perth? Yeah, it's Perth. And why did they want to go to Perth instead of Ascot? Um, You'd like the easier option? Yeah. No. Will they have someone else in there? They've got another horse. I'm not sure. Well, it's because they wanted to go left-handed rather than jumping right-handed. Oh, fair enough. Luke. Yeah. (laughs) I'll come back to you with your bonus question, try and redeem yourself. Because, of course, Champ is being aimed at the RSA chase. But how many times has Nicky Henderson won the RSA chase? Seven. No, three. He's won it three times. Can you name some of the horses he's won it with? Bob's work. Yeah. Two more. Were they recent enough? One of them was actually only three years ago, I think. I can't remember what happened yesterday. Never mind three years ago. <laughs> I mean, this 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 race was pretty unforgettable. Oh, Mike Bite. Oh, because he had the oh, first no. and second. There you go. Um, Mike Bite. And can anyone name his other winner of the race? I think it was back in about two thousand and. Five, maybe 2003. I'm going to admit defeat here. You guys aren't going to get this. So it was a horse called Trebaldin. On the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> just just needed a bit more time. Okay. Killian, we're coming to you next. Now, of course, you guys were there at Leopardstown over the weekend. So I've dedicated this final question to Faheen, the machine. So. We're going to stick to our theme of bloodstock today. So can you name one other grade one winner by Forheen Sire Germany? Well done. That was a lot quicker than I thought it would be, mm. actually. Can you name another one? Ooh, by Germany. Do you know Germany had this thing... Uh, he had to have, you know, like as a teaser, they had to use a grey mare. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit quirky that way. And I'm trying to buy myself time to think of a winner by Ger- by Germany. Captain uh, Stevie. Yeah, well done. Yeah, I wanted to talk to that. 
did you just get that off the top of your head or did you have the racing post open? Top of my head. Wow, well done. Yeah, um, so Killian, your bonus question. How many races under rules has Faheen won? 17. Well Bang. done. 18 if you count the point to point, but that's not Yes. Cool. So actually this week I've come in with a bonus bonus question. So whoever wins, whoever like can get this right or can get the number closest to this basically wins the quiz for life. So what is the combined winning margin of all of Forheen's wins under rules. I had to do some serious maths earlier. Three, 375 so, lengths. There was no. about three quarters of a length the other day, so we'll start from there. Great. <laughs> um, um, everyone can answer this. 147 Ooh. and a half. Anyone else got 210. an 110. 183. Sam, you win. No, Sam wins. Oh. But she didn't. You were literally, you were three lengths off. <laughs> so it's 100, 144 and a half lengths. That is the combined wow. winning margin of Faheen's wins under rules. I mean, that is pretty impressive. I was actually look, having to look back through all of his whole old form earlier to get that answer, and just looking at the quality of horses that he used, like that he beat, and beat easily. Jeski, how many times did he beat him? And even on his bumper, even in his bumper, he beat Joss's Hill by something ridiculous, like about twenty-two lengths or something. Anyway, what well, he does. Basically, it has just, yeah, it's just highlighted my appreciation for Faheen and the fact he's still going at 12. I just think it's the best possible result for racing. So that was this week's quiz. Sam wins because she got the closest answer to that. Luke one. makes a show of himself. So none of the other questions. Absolute baloney. <laughs> On Saturday, Killian and I were at Leopardstown. After racing, I got an interview with Stephen Power, also known as Racing Blogger, and here it is. We're here with Racing Blogger after Leopardstown. It's been a great day here with seven fantastic winners. Notebook was one for me. Who was your favourite of the day? Um, I was just delighted personally to see Henry de Bromhead have such a great time with Rachel Blackmore. I think Rachel Blackmore is pretty much the star of Irish racing. Yeah. And I think Irish racing and Ireland in general should push her out there on a bigger scale. She's a big deal in racing. She's the face of Irish racing. And I, I was just delighted to see Henry win with Notebook and to win with... My brain's lost me here. Honeysuckle as well. And he's obviously got Aspire Tower tomorrow, so oh, yeah. it could be a phenomenal week. And after visiting the yard and being down there, it was just great to see it. Just a few quick fire questions here. How did you get first interest in racing? Uh, so I was born in Clummel. Mum moved me to London age seven. At the age of 14, I was sitting on my grand's living room floor and a horse called Isterbrack won at the Charlton Festival. A young man called Aidan O'Brien come on TV and the rest is history. What's your earliest racing memory? Uh, Isterbrack winning at Cheltenham and Aidan O'Brien coming on and me looking up going who's that man? Who's your favourite horse in training past or present? 
Uh, past, obviously, Esterac once again, it all comes back to the GOAT, the best hurdler of my time. Um, present, oh, it, it still have to be Altior. What he's done for racing over the last four or five years has been sensational. And to win at four straight Cheltenham festivals is just incredible. What's your most memorable day racing? My most memorable days racing, for a personal side, it would have been when um, Altior remained unbeaten at Sandown, as I backed him to be unbeaten for the whole year. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a great bet. It was a ballsy bet. Uh, my most memorable days racing would have probably been Tiger Roll winning his second Grand National. The atmosphere with the crowd was sensational and I was delighted for Gordon Elliott. And finally, what can be done to get more young people involved in racing? I think you can have more days in racing where it's free for under 25s to come racing. I think they can break it down a bit more, more use of social media, including the likes of people like yourself, young people trying to promote social racing. I think the trainers, the jockeys, the authorities should embrace it and push it out there. Thank you. You're welcome. A pleasure. So now we're going to have a look ahead to the weekend's action from Newbury, which is a very, very strong looking card. Of course, it's Betfair, the big Betfair Saturday they have there. And we're going to start by having a look at the win digger on the Betfair Exchange Chase, also known as the Game Spirit Chase, where we see the return of one of racing's greats. Altior is back. He's back down in trip, and Nicky Henderson has been absolutely bullish this week about just how quick his horse is. So, Killian, we'll come to you first. Does Altior win? Ah, uh, you'd have to think so. If Altior is close to his best, he should win this. Like on ratings, he's twelve pounds clear of Scorial. You know. Uh, Nick, like Nick, like you said, Nicky's been fairly bullish with his reports. Like Altior is an absolutely wonderful horse, you know. I, it's hard to see him be beaten in this, but um, Magic Saint is a horse I kind of like. He's only six, and I thought he ran better than than suggest than the bare form suggests in the Paddy Power Handicap Chase at Cheltenham. He's he ran the Grand Annual last year, but it's a bit disappointing. He only finished tenth, but on his second last start, he beat Bundoran, who was actually second in the Grand Annual. Uh, his rate at one five five, probably a bit high. Like if he came down two or three pounds, I'd I'd give him a big shout in uh, the Grand Annual at Cheltenham. So I'll be keeping an eye on him. But like I say, I think if Altior is as well as Nicky seems to think he is, then he should win this. It's worth noting we're recording this on a Wednesday, so final declarations aren't out. But at the minute, it looks like a really strong race, actually. We've got Altior, we've got Bundoran, we've got So Royale, Simply Ned, Dynamite Dollars, Kalashnikov. Sam, it's just an incredible field, really, for a grade two. Do you think Altior might have someone serve it up to him? or? Um, well, I think he'll probably definitely win. but um... It's obviously there are some doubts coming off of um, the surname run because of what's happened in the meantime. He's missed races. Um, there's been a bit. He's had an injury. Um, but out your got sprinter. Uh, uh, Nicky Henderson got sprinter sacra back, so I'm pretty sure he can get out to your back. But if there was one to kind of threaten him, I'd say dynamite dollars. I've, met, I've mentioned this horse before, I think, on the podcast. I think a lot of him. 
He's um he's a winner at the top level. He might just need this, but the yard is in incredible form. And if he places here, he will come on again and I think he'll be a player at Cheltenham in what looks like a really I'm really looking forward to, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing Dynamite Dollars back actually. I think he had such a good season novice chasing last year. I mean he won Henry VIII, didn't he? He beat Ornua at Sandown and then he beat Kalashnikov at Kempton. He's a really good horse. And I mean, Paul Nichols, often you'll find their horses need the first run, but you'd imagine he's going to have him primed and ready for Saturday. But maybe Cheltenham is the big target, you know? I'd love to see how he could possibly pose up against Altior. I mean, Luke, what do you think? Yeah, Altior would be hard to beat. But he, he has shown his signs. Like he is getting old. He's 10 now. He should still win, but I think Bundoran could be the one to follow him home. Johnny, Bor- Johnny Burke is jocked up to ride. He was He's on an upward curb this season. He was last seen winning at Kempton when he bet Duke G- Geneva and Skull Royale. He is 160 rated, and if he runs up to that, he sh- should be close with one. Skull Royale, who's 163, I think. So we're going to move on to the Denman Chase now, where John Joe O'Neill Jr. has had the big call-up to ride former Gold Cup winner Native River for the very first time. Now, the betting suggests that this should just be an easy task for Native River, but he reopposes Mike Bite, who, of course, that awesome clash in the Gold Cup two years ago won't be forgotten for a long time. But do you think... Maybe the task is as easy as the betting suggests for Native River. Sam, we'll come to you first. Um, I don't think so because Mike Bite could just bounce back. I mean, he blew out at um when he they faced off earlier in the season by unseating, but he jumped superbly after that when he was loose. Last time he pulled up over hurdles, which was a bit disheartening. Um, but it's Nicky wouldn't run him if he wasn't well enough. So he could threaten Native River again, but I doubt that. I think it's worth noting Nicky Henderson's record at Newbury as well. He is the leading course trainer. Maybe a return to home soil might do might bite some good and we could see a rejuvenated horse, but he's 11 now. Maybe his former glory days are behind him. I mean, Luke, what do you make of this race? Because it seems quite a closed contest. I mean, Native River was dominant last time, but is there anything else lying in the shadows? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I think Native River would just win this. I think my bite's gone at the game. It's 11 now. I don't think he's ever been the same since that Gold Cup battle with Native River. I'd probably just take a chance on Secret Investor to finish behind Native River. He was second at down Royal. He was this point in the last day in a handicap, but I don't think Mike White is running anywhere near himself, so he could be the one to follow home later in the river. Killian, what do you make of this race? Uh, it's a pretty disappointing field, to be honest, for a grade two chase. Yeah, I'd, I'd be amazed if Mike White could come back to win this. He's just, he's just not the same horse. It looks a uh, very winnable opportunity for Native River. He's obviously won the race before. Um, on ratings, he's well clear of the others. 
Yeah, I know he's treated one hand, but geez, I I'd be very disappointed if he didn't win this. Native Rivers connections have taken a bit of a quieter path with him this season than they have in previous years. Do you think the Gold Cup is the aim, or they'd mentioned the Grand National as well when he ran at Aintree? If he does go to Aintree, how do you think he'll fare up against the big fences? Sam, what are your thoughts? He always pings his fences. I mean, when he won the Hennessy, he jumped incredibly. Um, I think he... There's no reason why he wouldn't like it. He seems quite a bold jumper, quite brave. It'll be a new test for him, having so many runners surrounding him. But um, he's currently 20 to 1 for that race. And... Yeah, we'll just have to see how. See, maybe when the weights come, the weights come out, and how he runs to, on Saturday, that will be when they decide what they want to do. He's been such a great horse for his connections. I mean, looking at his record here, he's so so consistent, and he has been, you know, since he was a novice hurdler as well. I mean. I remember I went to see the Chalo hurdle when he finished last and that was the last time you could really say that he never ran his race. Um, but if he wins on Saturday, could he win a second Gold Cup? Killian, what do you think? Gee, it, if he did win a second Gold Cup, I think it would be an absolutely amazing performance. But you know, I think he's, he's vulnerable to something a bit younger. Like we say, he's 10 now. Like, he ran well enough in last year's Gold Cup. He was beaten nine lengths. To be honest, he I think if he if he places in the Gold Cup, he's done very well. You know, like, it's very hard to win two Gold Cups. Um, and to be honest, he wouldn't be my fancy for the Gold Cup now, even if he wins impressively on Saturday. So we'll move on to the big handicap on Saturday. Of course, it's the feature race off the day at Newbury, the Betfair Hurdle. It's had some amazing winners in the past. Kalashnikov, Baliandi, My Tent or Yours won it, Zarkanda. This year, the field, the betting is currently headed by Mac the Man, Evan Williams and Adam Wedge. But Not So Sleepy has been a big talking horse coming into this. So impressive at Ascot before Christmas for Huey Morrison. His work has been good. I mean, I saw a video of him yesterday and he just, he goes so quick up the gallop. So, Sam, I'll come to you first. Who do you fancy for this race? Um, not so sleepy would probably be my suge- my selection if he runs. I think the yard has said it will be quite a late decision. Um, he was incredible last time and I know they're aiming for the champion hurdle with him. He definitely has the speed. It's an open renewal. They may as well go there. Um, he was a good flat horse. And I think because they're going to go quick, it's going to suit Alexia Dunutz and um, Pick Dory, who I mentioned earlier. Um, I love Alexia Dunutz. I think he's wonderful and he's better than he, he's definitely better than he's shown this season. Um Hope he can show some kind of return to form. And another one I picked up on at 20 to 1 was Lightly Squeeze. He's won his last three. So he's, um, I think he's still on an upward curve, actually. Luke, what are your thoughts on the race? I'd side with Barry Gertie and Nikki Henderson would never adapt. 
She was impressed last time out camped and she was keen throughout the race but still strong finished strongly. She travelled well into the straight and when Barry asked her for a big jump at the last she pinged it. He gave her one slap and she sprinted away to win by three lengths ease down. She's unexposed, lightly raced, and I think she would go close for Nikki Henderson, who won the race in twenty thirteen with my tenth of yours in the same colours. Killian, who's your pick? I'd have to agree with Luke's work there. I'm very sweet on Never Adapt. Like she reminds me a lot of Epitant. She's very keen, but they'll go they'll go fast pace in this bed for a hurdle, which would give her every chance. She won with a a fair bit in hand at Kempton. Uh, Barry Garrity booked a ride, like Luke said. There's been a bit of money for her. I think she she's the one for me. I'll admit, I'm siding with you guys. I think Never Adapt's got a great chance. She's still lightly raced, unexposed. She's got a nice handicap mark, and I think she can take full advantage of this race. So another horse I want to give a quick mention to in the Betfair hurdle is Stolen Silver for Nigel Twist and Davies. Now, they won the last race last year with Al Dancer at Ascot. They won it a few years ago as well with Bally Andy. This horse is a novice. He, was, he won that really peculiar race at Haydock the other week. But I really fancy his chances. I think if the Twisting Davies team are aiming a horse at the Betfair hurdle, you have got to take note, especially if it's a novice. So I'm definitely going to be keeping a close eye on Stolen Silver. Um, the other one I was quite interested in, actually, was Harambe. Um, obviously, he was very impressive last time out. Um, at Cheltenham and I think he could run a big race on Saturday. He beat Gumball um, in the Greatwood Hurdle who will carry top weight here but I think um, he hasn't run since then so maybe his connections are mid-targeting this race for him so I think he'd be an interesting horse to keep an eye out for on Saturday. Now we have to give this a mention because all of us here at Rainy Tim Racing were very proud of ourselves on Saturday because, of course, on our last podcast, if you were listening, you will know we were all very, very keen and in agreement for once on the chances of Itchy Feet in the Silly Isle chase at Sandown on Saturday. And he won. I mean, guys, how did that happen? We all agreed on a horse and it actually won. Well done. Great tipping. What price was he again? Seven to one. Nice. Nice winner, guys. Good Miracles work. Miracles can happen. It's now come to that time in the podcast where we pick our nap of the weekend. As always, these naps are just for fun and for no other purpose. Lois has napped Harambe this week in the Betfair hurdle at Newbury on Saturday. He won the Greatwood hurdle last time out. We haven't seen him since, but she was very impressed with the performance and thinks he'll run a big race again this week. Now, Killian has also napped a horse in the Betfair hurdle. He's sided with the Nicky Henderson-trained Never Adapt, who has only had a handful of runs, but looks like a potential improver and could be able to run a big race. He spoke of her chances earlier on in the podcast. I'm Luke. My nap this weekend is Aramix, who runs at Nace on Saturday in the tw- 2-12. He was last seen finishing third behind Wolf Prince of Fairy House. Wolf Prince has since boosted the form by finishing second, in a grade one at Leopardstown on Sunday. 
I think he'll come on again for the run at Ferry House and go close for trainer Gordon Elliott with Mark Walsh in the saddle. Hello, I'm Neve, and my nap for the weekend is in the 2.40 at Warwick on Saturday. I'm siding with Copper Gone West for Alan Johns and Tim Bourne. She ran a great race at Sandown last time out behind Silver Forever, and although she hung right-handed, this won't be a problem here today. She goes well on most ground types, and her win at Doncaster in December has since been franked with coded message going on to win and finishing a good fourth the other week behind Magic of Light. The favourite looks like she'll be tough to beat, but Coppergon West finished in front of her last time when she was a beaten favourite, and I think she can confirm the form today. Hi, it's Sam. My nap for this weekend is reserved tank in the 155 at Exeter on Sunday. I think a lot of this horse, and he was ridiculously impressive winning two grade ones in the back end of last year. He won the Rising Stars incredibly impressively in November on his second chase start, and I've got no excuses for his run in the lab, at the Labbrooks Trophy meeting when he was second. He's penalised, but has considerably more class than the rest, in my opinion, and he seems to come into his own around this time of the year. Hopefully this is a good prep for the JLT. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the Rainer Tim Racing Podcast. We'd love any feedback you have for us, so please feel free to get in touch on Twitter at Rainerton Racing. Have a great week and we hope you'll join us again next time.